Hey folks, welcome to Proof of Ireland. Uh, on this beautiful, cold, wet, windy, wherever you are, Wednesday morning, Scala NFL. We're back. Week 7 of the NFL season coming up. I can't believe. Mark, let's bring you in first off and say, how the hell are we week 7 this week? What's going on? Like, yeah, coming back in the taxi from Tottenham the other day, I said, lads, we need to start enjoying it because, I don't know, like, I was thinking of it myself today. What's the actual point in the season where we kind of forgive teams that haven't been off to a hot start, like, say, the Bengals, and we're like, oh, they've plenty of time. And I suppose we're in that lag now, yeah, for the next, like, three weeks where teams can still get out of the rut. Like, what, in a month's time, it's going to be Thanksgiving, and it's like, it's boom or bust from there on out. I think for Thanksgiving, we should go to Capitagal. Have I pronounced that correctly, James? It's a noble effort. Noble effort, Mike. <laughs> How do I pronounce it? Because now I'm mortified. No, it's various. It's Capitagal. I should have That's <laughs> yeah, 100%. You kind of mean Capitagal. I said to you, noble effort. I'll give you a noble 8 out of 10. Are we talking like a, a small village with like a centra, a chapel, and a Chinese and a chippy? Is, is that the plan? Oh, you're, you're giving us way too much credit there. You're talking about a GEA field, a national school, a church, and a pub. That's it. And even the shop? Uh, we actually got rid of the sh- we got rid of the shop to extend the pub. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give a shout out to um, village up beside us. Your referee Hurston in the football is from there, Sean Hurston. Um, Galbley, they took they've 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 a Chinese takeaway in the pub. It's it's an interesting concept. I'll just put it that way. Anything to attract the customers, eh? Well, Galbley got to the they got to the they got to the final last year in Kroger and got beat, but that's a whole different code that we shouldn't be talking about, James. We're not going to talk about the rugby either or the Patriots for now. Don't worry, we're we're we're, we're going to take it easy. Um, what did you make of last weekend in the league? Did you get a chance to see London at all? Because James, I'm never going near London again for the next ten months. Not I'd say I'd say you boys are all London up, London down at this stage, yeah. Like it's, it, it, it starts off good. It starts off good. Like week one, you're buzzing to get over. Week two, at least you're going from Wembley to Tottenham. Tottenham is an insane stadium. I think the food's all right there. You know, Michael, I don't know what you'd say, but I think it's a bit of crack getting in there. But uh, leaving on week three, it's bittersweet and all that, especially because the fans don't get to come back. But when you face an 80-minute delay because the Baltimore Ravens and Tennessee Titans have blocked up all the security queues and you're just waiting there because all the staff are just waiting for the team to come through, now, it was made all right because we're literally walking stride for stride with John Harbaugh and Michael here goes and says hello to him. Uh, it was a bit of crack from that point of view. Kyle Hamilton, we didn't get to see him in the press conference afterwards. I wanted to ask him about the ejection. Do you think it was fair? I've seen it back now since. It's probably worth it. That gave us a bit of life. But I tell you, James, when you're on the half six in the morning flight and you don't get home until one because not only is the defecting security slow, then Ryanair delay your flight two hours. Yeah, oh, I, uh, I, I'm done with that for a year anyway. And can I ask you, Les, like, say, when you go and come home on the same day, does it feel like work or does it feel like a social, like, is there enjoyment in it, if you know, if you know what I'm asking? Uh, I mean, I, I'll go, I'll definitely go first here. I think it's like half and half. Like, I think whenever you do something that you enjoy a lot, um, obviously Mark's great crack and, and the rest of the team are over, but we're, we're great crack as well. It's half and half, but definitely this week for me, like it's funny because Mark was going to Dublin. He lives close to the airport. I was in Belfast. I was home tucked, tucked in tail by, by b- b- before Jalen Hurts through the pick at the end of the Eagles game. So I think Mark's gonna be raging at that. But no, um, it it it's more crack. Like the Super Bowl is a full on like 
work, 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 work. But at the, at the same time, if, if you enjoy it, it doesn't feel like that. And that's why I know Mark, I can't talk for him, but excited for Frankfurt, excited to annoy Bill Balachek, James, you know, in a few weeks. It's going to be good. Please be careful, Liz. I was going to say, I might not get a chance to annoy him, but no, I'd, I'd say they'll, they'll keep things as they are. And then, because I'm not going to watch the Patriots, so I will. I won't do it as I'm going to pull myself back from that until I'm asked. Okay. No, I'm going to publicly say, say now, Mark, let's send James as, like, regard. I mean, if James is going to be the game happy days, but let's send him as the media correspondent on the Friday. Because you'll definitely oh, get it. Oh, my so God. We, we haven't even thought about that. We That is that would be class. That would be serious, Craig. If you can question, do. Bill, why in the name of God did you sign Vidarian Law? Tell me the truth, Bill. Why? <laughs> See, the funny thing is, you'll be able to get away with it because, James, you obviously have the confidence to do this, but it's like it's because you have the knowledge to back it up that if if Belichick gives you a tough answer back, I think you could go toe to with him. I genuinely I think you could do it. Can you imagine, Les, can you imagine the, the, the thought process of, of, of Bill Belichick being asked a question by this Irish fella right, who was interrogating him? See, because too many, too, too many of the questions, um, and you even see it in the press conferences afterwards, which sometimes I don't really think is entirely appropriate, is people from the other countries will say, oh, what do you think of the experience, yada, yada, yada. So if that's that's what he'll be getting on Friday, how has the week been? Are you excited to be in Frankfurt Stadium? It's supposed to be a nice, easy number for the man. And if you yeah. go in and start to interrogate him, I think he's going to get a shock. I think you might catch him off guard. Well, it'll be straight into offensive line questions. Offensive line, straight away. <laughs> like, what do you see in the offensive line? <laughs> Let's I think... I know we're going to save it, but um, I think he would level with you and give you a straight answer. I think Bill O'Brien is the one that, um, I don't know if it's quite registered with him yet, but we'll get on to it later. I'm sorry, Michael. Let's go. No, no, I was going to say, like, literally, we, yeah, let, let, let's talk about the pass towards the end in detail and give him the time like, that James deserves to give them because it's, oh, it's a hot mess over there at the minute. But yeah, like yeah. like last year, James, and for the ones listening to this as well, like, we've been fortunate enough to go to like Super Bowls, different press conferences. There was like 200 people in the press room of Brady on a Friday. In November, and I sat for an for eighty minutes, and you're talking about going and asking the question of Alicek. I was breaking it. So somebody presented like later hose and all doing. Why are you breaking it? But, do you know what it is? He walked out, and you're like, oh my god, it's, it's Tom Brady. You're like from here to the end of the wall. From you're like, how in the hell have I managed this? Like, like this is ridiculous. And then you ask him a question, and you can see his face when he knows I haven't got a clue what this boy's saying. But I do, like, James. I do want to go back, and this is not even on topic. I, I want to because I've seen this, and we and we and we'll move on from it. Where you live is half a kilometer from the toll plaza to go to Correct. Dublin. Can Correct. you skip that? Is is that like something you can skip, or are you, are you like a VIP there? Just like oh, well, James, let's just let's just say we might know the code to the emergency gate, the far side of the toll plaza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll just as somebody from the north. We had it handy when it was two euro. You had the coin; it was grand. Mm-hmm. Now it's two ten. You're like, I've got ten cents sitting around, boys. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, what? Tap, there, tap, there was no tap, need now. to change it, lads. It's all tap, 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 tapley pat. Well, that's yeah. a whole different discussion for Norveners. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Somebody give Leo a shout there. Anyway, um, you watched? Did you watch the Niners game? Was it James at the weekend? You watched the Niners yeah, against the Browns? Were you shocked? Like. Yeah, I was I was away with the family. Um, let's say over the course of the weekend, and I I kind of ch- I choose to pick a couple of games, you know. Um, so I watched the Niners, the Browns, got the Jets, and uh, and the Eagles got 
obviously got the shit show that was the pets um, and then tried to catch up on the bills. I didn't get an awful lot of the bills, to be honest, lads, because uh, when I saw the results, but the Niners was one. It just goes to show the landscape of the NFL can change dramatically in seven days because the conversation, I think, last week we had was who is going to even bother the Eagles and the Niners in the NFC? Why is anyone else going to challenge them? And here we are, both getting beaten, you know, by two teams that certainly I I can put my hand up and say I didn't give them 1% chance like to get beaten, you know what I mean? Or to, 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 win, to win the game, never mind to actually come through and do it. But the Browns, like their defense have been awesome, I have to say. Um, I just I, I like going through some of the statistics after a game like that. Seeing that they've given up like I think it's a thousand two yards, which was like I think it's third or fourth all time through the first first five or six games, which is which is awesome. Um, and like they they've got a scary defense, and like but again, can they can they carry it through as as the, as the games progress and as injuries become apparent? You know, are they going to have those type of games every day? It's hard to see. And when is their quarterback coming back? But I certainly have to give them major props um, for for stopping a Niners juggernaut that I thought was a juggernaut. Um, but again, I looked at the Niners and I was thinking. Now I just I sometimes I go too deep into these kind of thought processes, like Brock Purdy, who I was heavily singing his praises here over the last couple of weeks, and did the weather throw him off a bit? Like, is was is he capable of playing in that kind of weather? But I, I would always associate this with when I go back to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning whenever they showed down. And not in the dome now, but out in the in the real conditions, the snow, the rain. Brady always came through. And it was always a thing that it stuck with me that or Manning couldn't do it in the weather, the bad weather. And now I just have a little question. Far too early to ask this question, but Brock Purdy, can he do it in the weather? You know, obviously he's West Coast. What do you guys think? I think I think there's gonna be overreactions after the first week that he that's his first loss, obviously, as the starter. They look Nick Nick Bosa afterwards must have been asked about did they underestimate the Browns because he came out and said we didn't underestimate the Browns so even though I didn't hear the question I presume that he, was what he was being asked we have to remember that they went into that game off the back of the forty one ten win over the Dallas Cowboys thirty points in each of their um other five games like did they underestimate them did they come in a bit flat I think that's what probably did happen we were lucky I don't know did you catch it James we talked to Joe Staley before the game in Tottenham the other day offensive lineman legend for the 49ers for years we were kind of talking to him off camera and even on camera about Brock Purdy and we kind of asked him directly about the system and does that help and because I wanted him to essentially clarify you know people are calling Brock Purdy assistant quarterback and I said that's not really fair is and he said well like Look, the system absolutely does help him. He's not a system quarterback, but he obviously thrives in the system. So when the whole system is kind of like taking it a bit lax, I think that's what we saw the other day. Like on one of the interceptions by Purdy, it looks like maybe he's underthrown Brandon Ayuk. And I'm saying that because of Brandon Ayuk's body language is like, he kind of like shrugs his shoulders as he sees the ball go behind them. And he doesn't even chase down whoever it was to pick them off. So I was kind of like, I just think they came out very flat, the 49ers the other day, and I wouldn't put too much stock into it. I don't think the weather and that, like, you know, this isn't like one, two, three games into Brock Purdy now. Like, we've seen him loads. He's seen He's been in loads of different weather. It was pretty much a cauldron by the Browns as well. Like, I feel like they really got up for the game or by the Browns fans, I should say. I think they really got up for the game, Michael. Yeah. yeah. And like, James, just to add to what Mark said, man, like, there's, there's, there's been few people talking about like that, that, that result generally, and yeah, it was the Browns back at quarterback, and they still find a way to get over the, just to get over the Niners in coverage. The Browns' defense leads the lead 
leads the league in completions, leads the league in only 4.6 yards per yards allowed, a second in the league, 607 yards allowed through the first few weeks of the season, first in the league. They've only allowed four touchdowns in coverage and 27 first downs through the air. The defense looked legit. For all the struggles that Watson has had, they really put a marker up against the Niners on Sunday. Yeah, and that was the that was the the nucleus of the win, you know the the defense, the special teams did very well, and you know I like it's not as, Browns don't come across as you know a very obviously a very flashy franchise that that threw out massive trades for defensive players like this is a team that has been you know effectively assembled, assembled by 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 the head office if you like, and they're thriving. Um, I just wonder, I I, I maybe I'm going too deep in this, but I wonder injuries like if if for say um. You know, Miles Garrett gets injured. How does that affect the Browns? And say, and with the statistics you have to turn out there, you'd have to say it's all collective. I don't think they have the you know the best first down ratio or, or, the, or the best pass areas without the likes of a Miles Garrett up front uh, applying such so just just pressure. And like we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago, saying that he was in his what would you call it his happy place <laughs> with the way he is, you know, where he's kind of in a, in a really groove. And you know, they're they're a legit defense, which have they enough to go on? And become a legit Super Bowl contender. I'm not convinced just yet, but I'm there to be disproven. Of course, I am. Like I was here singing the praises of the Niners and Eagles, who I still think are going to be in the business in the championship. Don't get me wrong. But the Browns, if they can get it right on the quarterback side, you know they've got a massive defense to win. To win, and as the old saying goes, and my own team always always had it. And I know Brady always took the plaudits, and rightfully so. But the defense wins championships. You know they come up with the big plays in the big, in the big games. So it'll be interesting to see. Watch this space if Deshaun can get it going. It was good that the Browns ultimately won the game, but I suppose the other thing is if Jake Moody doesn't miss an absolute sitter of a field goal at the no. end, you know, we're we're talking about this game now, I mean, like, oh, the 49ers didn't really show up, but they get the job done. The Browns defense, you have to give them credit. Like, you could say they won the game. I don't think they, like, Jake Moody misses the field goal. Like, at the end of the day, like, it'll be credited towards the Browns defense, but it was Jake Moody misses it. I suppose... With Deshaun Watson out, it's really weird. Like, what's the story with his shoulder? It's like, there's no actual clarification about, like, what's going on with him. Like, is there something going on behind the scenes? But PJ Walker, I suppose, was also weak in the game. Um, now, look, he had a couple of throws that tell me that the 49ers weren't completely tuned in. There was one to Amari Cooper in particular that was like, he was wide open. But PJ Walker, the two interceptions that he threw were, I suppose, miserable for you know, calling it what it is, they were miserable. Um, yeah. The 49ers didn't really capitalize. So that's where I'm kind of like, I suppose I asked in the power rankings this week, who do you think looked less godlike, the 49ers or the Eagles? I would say the 49ers were the better. The two t- They took the week off, whereas the Eagles, and we'll talk about them in a bit, I think showed more holes. Yeah. But do you know how Mark you're saying, let's say, I know the Browns defense didn't win us that, you know, the rookie kicker, you know, lost it. But like this happens all the time in the NFL. He missed, you know what I mean. And like I know it's that's quite obvious, right? But I don't think they're in that position without the the you know the exertion that the Browns defense put in the Niners. You know I don't think they're they're heading down trying to get a field goal uh, scoring less than you know three touchdowns like they've, they've averaged over the last uh, start. So I I just think it's it's um it's a huge. I don't think we underestimate how good of a defensive setup it was because Kyle Shannon always has, you know, these tricks, these, you know, hands off, you know, these these receivers throwing throwing touchdowns or even McCaffrey, etc. And we just didn't see. It looked like he was kind of negated, you know, at the, at the weekend. And 
I just think it, it was a great scheme developed up by the, the Browns defensive coordinator and for the players to execute, which which in always in NFL terms is always a short week, so it can be tricky to get the coaching through. So that's why I thought it was extremely impressive that they can apply the coaching over a course of six or seven days and then execute on, on, on Sunday. Yeah, look, I, I love the... Or... Love. I definitely talked up the Browns' defense coming into the year. I said that they get to the playoffs based on the defense. Jim Swartz definitely had a day the other day. But I suppose Christian McCaffrey goes out. I think that has an impact. Devo Samuel, it looks like we don't know how reliable he's going to be this year. Trent Williams was in a walking boot after the game. Like, look, everyone's going to be banged up around this time of year, it seems. The 49ers have been doing all right now. This game obviously changed things. So... You're not going to give them too much credit. Everyone has to deal with the injuries. Jim Schwartz definitely did play well. But then when you're down to Brandon Ayuk, and I'm saying that he, his body language for me was wrong, you have uh, Elijah Mitchell coming back in. Um, he's been, I suppose, banged up the running back for the last couple of weeks behind Christian McCaffrey. So you're on to the third stringer as well, splitting carries with him. I don't think that they're up, they're absolute optimum, the 49ers offense. So I suppose there was a recipe, not for disaster, but a recipe for for a poor performance I suppose like they played poor but they didn't look as bad as say the Dallas Cowboys have in their loss or the Eagles in their loss we'll talk about in a minute and like yeah what you're saying like when Chris McCaffrey was on the field like he starts the game off with a serious run what was it like 30 yards and then the shovel pass was a really really nice play call at the end of first drive with a touchdown like the 49ers did get their scores early when they were healthiest yeah, exactly right. I feel like, just to sort of add on this, like last year we've seen some teams that were flying out or surprising at the start. Not that the Niners surprised anybody because they're fantastic in what they've done on both sides of the ball so far this season. But it's going to be really, really key, I guess, to see over the next few weeks how many teams look at the blueprint that the Browns had on Sunday and then try and work it going forward. Like, it, like it, look, I, I expect the Niners to now storm in the next four to five games. But... It's really, especially the run game, how can the Niners continue to be stopped? And all eyes going by the NFL analyst world this week is on Brock Purdy. I'm not concerned, but certainly this weekend is going to be interesting. Monday Night Football against the, the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings. So we're, if you want to watch it, you're going to stay up late, boys. Uh, here, no, no harm to the crack, but like, who thought it was a good idea to put the Dolphins against the uh, Eagles on Sunday Night Football this week? Like, there'll be no, like, start praying for the Parish boys. Not good. Not good at all. I'm, I'm panicking already. Um, talking about the Eagles, James, just to bring us in because it's Wednesday morning on, on Tuesday evening. Uh, Julio Julio Jones was signed by the Eagles. He's actually signed to the practice squad there now. Uh, it, he, it was announced first off, always signed. Yeah, he's actually went to the practice squad, but Adam Schefter said they expect him to, to be elevated very quickly. Eagles lose to the Jets. The manner in which they lost with this Jets defense, Tom of the Browns, second ago, this Jets defense is dare I say it, a championship caliber defense. I know Mark's been raving about it for weeks. Is this the year where Rodgers, you know, you've, you've seen him at the weekend, James, you know, you've seen injuries in, in your own career. He looks quite fresh, man. He looks really good. Oh, God. You know, when I, when I talk about the Jets and the Bill of the Dolphins, I kind of talk about them in such a way that they're like your little brother or sister, you know. They're there, they're nagging at you. You know, they've always been below you for years and years and years. And now suddenly it seems like they've just passed you out and grown bigger than you. <laughs> it's like, it's so hard to take this. So I hear the compliments. They're justified. I have to say, Jesse, the defense is legit. I have to give it to them. Like, if you can 
again, I use the word stifling. You can stifle an offense like like the Eagles and put pressure on Hurts and then force him into what I would class as uncharacteristic mistakes. Like some of his picks, the first one, second, third one was just awful. You know what I mean? At a stage of the game that was that was it was on the line. So they they're doing the right things. They they have good coverage. They, they, sorry, man to man, they're good. In zone covers, they're good. They can get pressure up the middle. They can stop the run as we've seen, and they can get pressure on the outside. Oh, loads of fundamentals of, of a defense that you can say could build a championship team around. Just the hardest thing is going to be get out of the division. That's the way it's going to be. Now they have a good record at the moment, and they've had to has to come with, with obviously with the Dolphins, the Bills, and I think uh, my lonely Patriots will be will be uh, propping up the division. So it, all signs are good and. I have to go on the offensive side of the ball. When you look at Zach Wilson, you know, I was a critic of him. Um, then when I saw the Chiefs game, I was thinking, God, there's, there's something in him, you know, that he, he showed kind of a big game mentality, albeit they didn't get the victory. And what he's done over the past couple of weeks has been very, very significant, I think, for, for that team. Because obviously in New York, when things go wrong, an awful lot of noise comes out of whether it be the dressing room, whether it's true or false now, remains to be seen, uh, out of the dressing room and or the, the city itself. And he was under a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, both you know, at the start of the year, obviously, with, with, with Rodgers coming in and then now with injury and it's like, oh God, everyone was saying that the Jets are done. And what he's done in the last couple of weeks has been, as I said, significant. And it poses the question, I, I was looking at uh, NFL Network there yesterday and they asked, what if what if they do get, you know, 10-7 and 7 or 11-6 and they make the playoffs and Rodgers makes this miraculous recovery? What happens then? Who do you start? Question was posed. And I, initially, before... Before um, Schrager got to answer, I said to myself, "Will you keep you keep going? You, you trust the guy who who got you there?" But then his answer was, "No, you put in Rogers straight away for for one game, for one game only. You put in Rogers." And I'm a bit torn. I'm a bit torn. I'm I'm more of a kind of a a bit softer there. The guy who got you there, I'd be leaning towards him. But again, NFL, professional football, no room for sentiment. Yeah, but you know that argument kind of just stacks up to be the Broncos from 2015 with an immobile Peyton Manning that was let, uh, like Joe just goes off with a serious defense. But like the thing with like come on, like, like the limp of Aaron Rodgers warming up the other day, like the ankle's clearly in a bad way, and he's just doing it for the cameras. It's like he's mo- like okay, maybe he returns, but if he returns, it's not who starts the game, it's who finishes it, because anyone could get to the ankle at any given time, it'll only take a tap to knock it back, like, I was, I know you're reading a book at the moment, James, that I was telling you about, but it's kind of behind the scenes of the Patriots, I was talking about when, uh, when Tom Brady got injured that year, what was it, 2011? Was, was it me, is it? Yeah, 11, and it's yeah. like, so, he thought that he was going to do the same thing and come back really early, and he picks up one of his sons in the in the in the hospital, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be fine." So after doing that for a week or two, he has to go back in and get surgery because he's after aggravating and he got infected. So it's like Aaron Rodgers can you know force it all he likes, but like it, this could end up damaging and do more long term damage to the ankle. I mean, you know, if he does want to play next year, I mean, you don't know what it's doing that the the ankle could be completely jeopardized. Like. So first, it was an Achilles rupture, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, so like this is this is not an injury. Like, so obviously it has to be surgically repaired and reattached. This is not an injury that just you can miraculously recover with with, you know, with with mental exercise or or oxygen chambers or ice. This takes time to heal. So, like when I was watching him as well, I was the same as you, Mark, looking at him, trying to really analyze his bodily movement, and he was so slow in everything he was doing, and he was pivoting off the one foot the whole time. So it was obvious he was just trying to, you know, use the least amount of mobility possible to show that he's throwing the football. 
looked in good spirits, but like still, if you ask him to even just do a single jump, he had an ocean. He's no ocean. He's months away from it. Now, if look, strange things that happen, don't get me wrong. But if he did turn up in January, if he did turn up in January, which by he's only twelve weeks away, or to eleven, whatever twelve weeks ago, um, mm-hmm. then there'd be a decision to make. But I personally don't see it. I can't see a situation whereby he comes back, recovers to a level whereby he can go out and compete again on the astroturfs and redo the same movement he did when he tore it. And see it happen. You actually imagine that happens in January, like just you know headlines. I mean, it's the Jets good, are still the Jets are still in it. There. It's a good point to make there, James, because you're actually hoping that you, you don't win the division because you don't want to play in MetLife because they play on turf. And like Garrett Wilson in this game goes out injured because he's like, you think you're going one way, you go a different way because the turf in our own stadium sucks. Yeah, correct. Indeed. There you go. Indeed. Well, look, if, if we if, if we want to actually talk again and bring it back to the game and the defense specifically, you're dead right to pick point out the third... So the first interception comes off Dallas Goddard's hands. Goddard, yeah, yeah. The the first fumble, I would say, from uh, DeAndre Swift is kind of the price of doing business because his first touchdown that he gets is from some really hard running. That same running is why the ball was left out, that it could be knocked out by the Jets' defense. Obviously, it's good hustle. Um, second turnover was uh, Jermaine Johnson that brings the pressure for uh, for the from the Jets defense and gets to Jalen Hurts slaps his hand and the ball wobbles but the third interception from Jalen Hurts that's where I was worried because it was like he completely misreads the defense um, it looks like he thinks that Jordan Whitehead is going to blitz but then he drops back and like Jalen Hurts had all day to see that he was thrown into two men that were just bracketing um, again Dallas Goddard and that's it was picked brutal, up wasn't it? That that's where I was like that's where they look more like down to earth. Like don't get me wrong, there's there's plays throughout the game to AJ Brown that look absolutely fantastic by Jalen Hurts, but that's where I was worried because I'm like, wow, all of a sudden you're bringing pressure on Jalen Hurts, and he's looking more normal. Again, it's one game. I'm not going to absolutely that, lose it over it. Like, where does the pressure come from? So like, this I I've been on about the offensive lines of teams over the last number of weeks, and obviously Lane Johnson uh, stepped out with an injury, and in comes Driscoll. Look at the pressure that comes in from his right side. Look, look at the difference. You know, the, he, the difference. It was really interesting um, because this reminds me of a Patriots storyline of last year. <laughs> so, look, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed were out. They're the cornerbacks for the Jets. So you're kind of like, who's who's the player that's going to step up? Bryce Huff, who's a rotational defensive end, that's where the pressure was coming from. PFF put out a stat, or maybe it was next gen, put out a stat that technically he's the most efficient pass rusher over the last two years because when he comes in on snaps, like on 25% of them, he gets effective pressure in there, which is like more than anyone. But he got a sack and a half. And it's when Lane Johnson went out the right tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles and Jeff Driscoll goes in. He had an absolute game, and that's where the pressure was coming from. And that's what's impressed because he reminds me of Josh Uche for the Patriots last year doing the same thing that when he comes in, that he's a rotational player, but when he comes in, he's class. Yeah, class, yeah. And it's just my point about the offensive line, how key it is to have a good line and protect your quarterback. And I know the easy thing to do is pick on the line and say Jalen Hurts, uh, that's the reason he got pressured. But he got pressured still in a, I would say, at a normal rate. Not at a rate that was that was abnormal. So like his his last pick, the third one, as I said, was an awful decision. I thought he made the wrong read, uh, wrong throw. I didn't know was it a busted busted run. I don't think it was. To be honest, I just think it was a terrible read if you ask me, and a bad in game decision. But that was kind of a 
oh, I, I suppose over the last 12, 13 months, that was the first kind of chink in his armour that we've kind of been exposed to, you know, truthfully speaking. So I'd say the more that we're on about, like, will the Browns provide a platform to, to stifle the Niners? Will now, will the Jets have provided a platform to put Hurts under pressure? That's one of the, I suppose, the more intriguing storylines you'll see in the next couple of weeks coming up. And like, They're lucky that those are the two best defences in the AFC, the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. So teams might be able to learn, but will they be able to execute? I suppose the yeah. Eagles have to be worried that the Cowboys, they have a defence that will be able to learn from what happened last night. And then the 49ers defence is pretty good itself, but obviously it's not going to be able to beat itself. But yeah, that's why you'd be worried a bit more about the Eagles. But again, it was only one game, but I suppose those are flaws that can show more. Because yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. Even if it was... a bad route run by Dallas Goddard the ball that Jalen Hurts like go and watch it back if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it because that's why you have to be worried because it's like the game is on the line like you know they can like the game is on the line yeah. the, what's, your, um, what's your thoughts on the Eagles effectively letting the Jets score letting Hall walk in that's what it looked like from a time management perspective I'll just I'll 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 jump in here very quickly. I I I thought the the timing of you know what was left in the game and sort of the allowance of it was very very strange. But just going on what you boys have both said, like for a team to go in like the Eagles five and zero, really haven't hit their maximum peak. To be fair to them at all so far this season, but they're getting the job done. I would argue for Eagles fans listening to this that they've had a lot of change on the field in the off season, but also you know losing Shane Steichen, losing Jonathan Gannon bringing in new OCs and DCs. I mean, it makes a massive difference. It takes time to incorporate, but they're definitely not the best of their abilities. And like that pass from Jalen Hurts at the end of the game was, was shocking. But yeah, like the whole thing for me, like just in terms of what you said, um, James, the, the the time allowed and sort of just like the, yeah, okay. It was weird. Definitely. Yeah. The position though, the position that they got at, and I suppose that's what we really have to hit on with the Jets defense. Like, I think the the actual yards per play for the Jets offense is something like four and a half yards. Like they don't, like they're getting it in such insane field position that like that touchdown took what, eight seconds off the clock to get. Like they just let him go straight in and get it because they are like, look, we're backed up in our own territory here. Or sorry, not backed up. They, they have the ball. The Jets offense has the ball in our territory. Like, you know, like at worst, they're probably going to get a field goal, but, and, and take a one point lead. And that's going to bleed all the time off the clock. So I think it was, I think it was technically probably the smart thing to do because you're giving up points there one way or another and you have to get it back. But obviously then Jalen Hurst goes and throws four incompletions or whatever it is to end the game. And it's like, yeah, you underestimated how good the defense. I, I, it was probably, it was probably the play, you know, it actually is smart what, what happened. I think I agree. Yeah, with so the reason I was asking the question was because I'm looking at, um, and if you're, or if you're Nick Sirianni looking across and saying, right, uh, you're basically hedging your bets against the Jets' defense, and I and I'm, I'm just looking at it. And I, I have to admit, the Jets are probably top two or three in the AFC. Like, was it a smart bet? And it just obviously hindsight is easy for me to look across and say, well, it wasn't a smart bet because you you bet you lost, you backed your quarterback, didn't happen, and then the gap at the end of the game, you know, fine margin. Let's um let's cap this one off with our mandatory slash I love this part of the week. Patriots talk. I'm going to keep it nice and breezy this week, James. Malik Cunningham, will, will he be playing this weekend in an expanded capacity? Did you see Bill O'Brien's comments uh, about promoting him to that? He was asked about promoting him to the active roster today, and he said, That's a decision that Bill and Matt, Bill Belichick, if you're wondering, and Matt Grow made. Um, all might not be well in Foxborough, my friend. 
Yeah, look, I'm looking at Lee Cunningham signing. Um, it broke only a, a day or two before the game. Obviously, he's a much better scrambler than Mac Jones. I'm thinking, is this is this Bill Belichick's method of, you know, trying to adapt to a very very poor offensive line? Uh, this this is what kind of my thought process. I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with with reasons as to why they'd sign him, and then to sign him to a three year contract. Just it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm, I'm trying to establish again the thought process of why why would you do that? You know why would why would you sign him to a three year contract? Just, just elevate him off practice squad and move on. But because you signed him, you've automatically ruled out Bailey Zappi. You know, the only way Zeppi can come in now is to an injury with one of the two guys. It's just the way that the, the, the roster has worked. So it was just a strange move. And then I suppose it's it's kind of like we've we've been here before. Seven days ago we had the same kind of conversation. And this 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 result was just as disappointing as the ones previous. Albeit they were slightly more competitive. I thought our defense was pretty good. Fairness they got a lot of third down, third down stops. They did what they could they did what they were supposed to do. You know what I mean? They put in big big hits, put pressure on Garoppolo, put him out of the game. You know, they let up one big play to, to Hoyer in the second half, obviously, which kind of puts them in field territory again. Um, but it's a tough loss. It just feels like we, for every two steps we take forward, we take three back. You know, the Mac, jo- the Mac Jones roll out to the right and then the missed throw for Hunter Henry. You know, I'm trying to defend him at times, but that is just an absolutely atrocious throw. Atrocious, and it kills our momentum. Then you have Devante Parker with the drop. Um, and, like, I don't mind. Go back to the game previous we're on about with the Eagles, and Devante Smith had a couple of drops, in fairness. But I listened to his interview in the locker uh, locker room after, like, and he was fully accountable, saying that I was on him, that there were good throws. But then I listened to Devontae Parker, and he made up some excuse how I thought it was off his fingertips. When you look back at the replay, it's, it hits him in the hands square. You know, so it was a complete drop on his behalf. So there's no accountability there from, from him. So that was disappointing with me, like he was trying to blame Mac Jones. But Mac Jones did some good things. Um, but like that, it was just the same old story. That's too much pressure coming from the offensive line. And it's, and it's as it's the classic play is what you see in the safety at the end, whereby Kazeki tries to get a chip chip block on Crosby, blows by him because Crosby gets initial contact, and then they just moves. He moves, I'm laughing. I shouldn't be laughing. He moves past low like he's not even there. Safety game over. You know, oh, it's such a hard pill to swallow. But like you try to pick out the positives, and like it seems like a recurring theme. The defense is doing what they can, but. They just spend too much time in the field. Now, I will say for the for the touchdown drive in the second half, I think we burned nine minutes. It was too long. It felt like an eternity over 17 plays. But again, we do have a strong defense. Um, it's just the offense that we can't get a click in. And we don't have the weapons. One of the weapons, I'm afraid to say. So here we are. And I, I, I hate to go back to the Malik Cunningham thing, but I suppose from an interest point of view, I'm glad they're not going with Bailey Zappi, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I don't know, to me, it kind of signaled, uh, look, to the future because they obviously the Patriots really wanted Lamar Jackson back in the day like they, they thought that was it they thought they were getting Lamar Jackson obviously Lee Cunningham is a dual threat quarterback is it a kind of oh what could the future hold for the Patriots if we were able to get one of these guys well I, mean, I suppose the only comparison you have with Lamar Jackson is they went to the same college you know if you look at the statistics through college Lamar Jackson was was by far and away a better quarterback than Malik and like Again, they're, they're similar in their kind of their paths and the way they came out. They had the dual threat status. Um, I think Lamar is obviously he's has been an MVP and he's put he's put to bed. Obviously, that status with a big contract. I just don't see Malik at the moment. We only got a small view of him in the preseason where he got to think about over the course of the games he got like twenty odd snaps, not like not a lot. You know what I mean? So it's hard for me to see how he's going to progress in regular season when the game's on the line. I think if you look see a situation whereby as the year progresses or regresses, I'm afraid and the Patriots continue to go on the spirals are on, you might see him get more snaps and start sharing, sharing a lot, an awful lot more for, for Belichick to probably 
you know, get a view of what Cunningham provides. Um, I think Mac Jones, if, if things go keep going sideways, like this could be the end of the end of a timeline for him because obviously his, his rookie contract will end after next season. I can't see him picking up as of right now. I can't see them picking up his fifth year option. Um, and I hate to say it, I was looking today to see our draft order and looking at the quarterbacks to come out of college. This is where our thought process is less. You're looking where are we going to be? Like as of right now, we're fourth. We have the fourth pick. That's where we're at. We're in Caleb Williams territory. <laughs> that's where we're and he didn't have a great weekend the thing, there's, there's two quarterbacks what's the other guy's name Marcus May and it's like there's two legit quarterbacks coming out and everyone is so fortunate that the Carolina Panthers traded up last year for a quarterback because it's likely that they'll have they'll trade back happily for a load of picks to get back what they gave up for him so yeah. you know the they right now hold the first overall pick as a Cardinals fan, I still want Caleb Williams as well. So, well, go, go by March power rankings, which we need to have very, very interesting discussion about. The Barney, the Denver Broncos are the worst team in the league. So. How aren't they the worst? Like, like they are. Everything is blown up in their face. Like, it's not just about I'd, the record. I'd say the Bears are there. Personally. Oh, I don't. The Bears have had two really frisky games. Like when look, Justin Fields now looks like he's going to miss some time. But it's like yeah. the Denver Broncos are putrid. Like, look, don't get me wrong. Um, Russell Wilson's played a bit better, but it definitely is that everyone absolutely loves, and this kind of does factor into the power rankings a little bit, the storyline of it all. That everyone loves Sean Payne getting this comeuppance, and like it was last week that really it happened against the Jets. That it's like people are enjoying going against Sean Payne and beating him. I suppose that, you know, for me, it's just, it's easy to dunk on them at the moment. It's not so fun to, like, look at the Carolina Panthers who nothing seems to go right for them. And they're in James. The, the Broncos, I'm afraid, Mike, they're in for the long haul. Like, they, they have to spend another almost a quarter of a billion over the next four years, those two guys. Yeah. He'll not be there next year. And that's part of it. Like, there's there's emergency, there's eject buttons for every other team, whereas the Denver Broncos are just locked in. And, like, that's it. Let's see. Finally, James, finally, finally, finally. Like a bit, bit of positive news about, about New England. Easy enough matchup this weekend. Buffalo oh, coming to New England. What's your, what's your hopes this weekend? You talked about Mac Jones there. Do you think yeah. this could, like, I, I am not, like, I'm on the fence here and I'm being serious. Do you think this could be the week, genuinely, the crowd could turn against them big time, against the Buffalo team? If, if, they, if Buffalo come to play, yeah, I think I think they will out. I suppose in in what I mentioned, I'm content that the Buffalo are missing a couple of defensive starters themselves. You're saying they're not quite as strong, although Von Miller, etc., not quite as strong as they, as they were let's go twelve months ago. I think the the fan base itself, and including including myself in this, if we didn't see as much trouble as we see with the offensive line, with the receivers, you know, with the way we're trying to run the ball, you know, I I'd be putting pressure on Mac. But at the minute, there's problems in all areas. I think people understand this. People are probably pointing, truthfully speaking, pointing the finger more at head office and, and, and Bill Belichick for putting them in this situation because we find ourselves in this situation because of, deci- of decisions that, they, that they've made. I don't think Mac is is the major problem. However, I will say when opportunities present, present themselves in, in games, and they have, and that they're not taken by Mac or there's a stupid decision, or like a very, very stupid decision, you'd hope he's learned, he's learned from this and he just not execute and turns over the ball. That that just kind of gets the, it's like a snowball effect. People don't forget that. You know, and I know, I know I, I'm very adamant that the offensive line is terrible. Like Pro Football, PFF did a, they did a, a analysis on 197 offensive linemen. And of the, uh, uh, and the Patriots rank, only one guy broke into the 150 and that was Trent Brown. Everything, everybody else, uh, you know, David Andrews, Maffey, 
you know, low. They're all 185, 187. So we're right down the bottom of the offensive grading. You know, so I understand that maximum pressure. That's why I was thinking, though, I, I just, I still, I still don't see it because he's no scramble ability. And if we, if we're, if we have this, if we have this offensive line, you know, for the next couple of years, or we have, we can only add a piece or two, and we're still putrid, he might be the quarterback for us, I'm afraid. Well, we'll see. It's it's only a matter. It's three weeks until you're going to be out out the gap outside the house, weaving up with them, flying past. Hello, Bill, etc. So, John, I will say, I will say, James, um, because I said at the top, so we better put a bow on it. But Bill O'Brien. Maybe a bit too positive for me. Look, he did say everyone needs to get on the same page. But he was like, look, we can turn it around. It just needs lads to dial in a bit more. And I was like, "What? Like, how is this coming from the same building that Bill Belichick is in? The guy like, would be oblivious enough to what's happening on the field and just say people have to lock in a bit more. Like, yeah, he, he's... His power, the position of power is gone, man. When Brady's gone, right, if Bill Belichick had a really... Or not, look, he got the playoffs wrong after Brady if he had a real position of power whereby he had Brady previously the Patriots were winning like so w- w- whichever guy came into the came into the squad was at, was being added to a winning formula already so if he if he wasn't you know putting up the goods he was out the door it was as simple as that whereas now I, I think I think there's a recognition amongst the players uh, certainly they know they know this is not a winning team so they can really get away with it because I think they have they have more of the power does that make sense you know what I mean like so, they they have more of the power. They have more of the balance because Patriots are shit right now. So like, you have to stick with me because there's no other options. Whereas when you're winning, they can go out the door with loads of options. So I just think it's it's just it, I, I just think we're a victim of circumstance. At the minute we're shit at the minute. I'm afraid. Excuse excuse the language, but that's, I mean, players are, are are skipping corners. It's a funny one. I did know should I sit on this uh, info that I got during the week, but I I, oh. I went. I asked Joe. No, I asked Joe Sadie. Because uh, we didn't get into the podcast, but specifically with this podcast in mind, I said, when a head coach is under pressure, do the players pay attention to that, basically? And I was think- kind of thinking it with Jim Tom Sula and with uh, Chip Kelly, but he said the one for him was Harbaugh, because he said with Tom Sula, we knew it was going to be a short thing. But with Harbaugh, we already liked him. And, you know, we want to play for him, and it's like things weren't looking good. So, and this is me now applying that. I wonder if Belichick has been tough on players for years and maybe they haven't bought in fully to the Patriots way. Is it now bearing out because they're kind of like, well, I don't love playing for this coach. Some players go to New England thinking they'll love it. Other players just go there because they think that they'll be under Bill Belichick and they'll win. But I thought it was an interesting player coming from, you know, a former all-pro in the league to say, like, it definitely affects the mentality. And when you apply that to the Patriots, maybe players are checking out because they're like, no, actually, I'm not into this. Yeah. I think we're missing certain characters as well, Mark. Like, if you if you go back into the last couple of years and you, you reintegrate in Edelman, like, I've listened to an awful lot of Edelman on podcasts and he speaks really well. He's like nearly an extension of Belichick, the way he goes on. You yeah. take out Hightower. You take out an Adam Butler. You take out, you know... Uh, go back. You, I know Matt Slater is still there, but you, you take out and McCourty. You take out the the, the group of, of fundamental. McCourty's your Deion Jackson's over the years. Maybe that's yeah. why they go back and get a JC Jackson because he buys into the system and the thought process. Yeah, but then JC Jackson's reputation was tarnished coming out of LA. So, but but here he is now. In fairness, he was solid. I have to say, he was solid over the last over the last game. I say so. It feels like he's he's being slowly reintegrated in a positive manner. But you're hoping that the, the characters in that in that locker room will will pull it together, and play for 
play for the jersey and play for their their, their, their jobs, you know what I mean, as opposed to playing for a person. But I just think it's a lot to be seen. And I do think we're going to be one and seven in two weeks' time. I hate to say it, but look, I have to be a realist, not an optimist at this stage. Here, I, I don't know why you're not like me and positive when these things go your way because you're looking at Caleb Williams. Go like I follow him on social media now. Did like, you watch him last week? In the building. He, hey, last <laughs> week. <laughs> he had he had a he had a stinker in Notre Dame last week. Yeah, that, that's that's stinker. only one week. Now his highlights and it's like I don't know. That's maybe where I'm too cynical of a fan, but it's kind of like I don't know. I'm kind of I was checking of this season before it ever started. Like his agent and his dad came out two weeks ago, right? And they said they're, they're he's only going to play for five teams. You know, money talks, like, money talks, because when geez, when you see the contract and it's like you'll have to go one more year without fifty million dollars in your bank account. He signed the bonus with be thirty two million if he signs number one pick. Yeah, like That's money, money talks. The same thing was said with uh, Kyler Murray. Same thing was said with two hundred thousand by law. It's all a bargain chip, and it's like at the end of the day, there's not much all that they can do because the the rookie pay scale is there for a reason. It's like what you expect that next year the. The Green Bay Packers are going to be picking first overall. The San Francisco 49ers, like they know, <clears throat> they always get backed into a corner. Those guys, yeah. Just finally, James, I'm heading to Legion with the weekend. Any advice or any? Uh, stop by the house. I'll give you a hurry, Henry. Bring them with you, right? Well, I'm I'm intrigued to see the price of pints, and that's all I'm going to say. I got a wedding in Lock, Lockrin. No idea. No idea. I tell you, I'm tell you where I'm going this weekend. Maybe I can get some advice. I had a nightmare now over the weekend that uh, Ireland lost. I'm still going to Paris, and I have until midnight tonight to make the decision: do I cancel the hotel and just say can't the pennies in my pocket? Can't yeah, so it's a tough one. I think because I have tickets to the both semi-finals. I don't think I can go to the New Zealand game. It'd be too raw to see them. But maybe uh, seeing our neighbours potentially lose. No, abort. Maybe we're going. Abort. Our neighbours. <laughs> That's the luck this weekend. James, uh, as always, man, good crack. I'm going to say every week, I'm going to talk it into existence. We will have a Stein in four weeks' time in Frankfurt. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. I know people are enjoying the podcast. Uh, we went from talking about tolls to pubs to Malik Cunningham in, in the space of 45 to 50 minutes. We'll chat to you all soon, folks. Keep her lit. Slug of all.